Life is made up of many gorgeous moments. Cherish them all, big and small, with Blue Nile. Whether it's for yourself or a loved one, Blue Nile's unrivaled selection of expertly crafted fine jewelry and statement pieces help make all your moments sparkle. Blue Nile's experts are on hand to guide you, and their diamond guarantee ensures you get the highest quality at the best price. Celebrate a life well lived in the most radiant way and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the World Culture Gaming Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Taylor, joined by Jules Gill. Hello. And Josh Brown. Hello. Now, it's been a bit of a big week for large game releases, such as, for example, Mortal Kombat 11, which gave me the idea for today's podcast, um, because I want to talk about the general idea of fan backlash and, you know, online communities and the way that I think that this generation especially has just gone down a really horrific route in terms of the over-monetization of the products themselves, the games themselves. And that's, we're seeing the fan communities respond to that by the likes of review bombing or the, like, attacking the devs on social media or whatever else um so i kind of just wanted to open the floor to that do you think that that's a good thing or like just the general conversation around this is the reality that we're in now i think that it's um a better time than ever to have your voice heard Mm -hmm. um as a gaming consumer i feel like uh (laughs) for example we obviously have our platform with what culture most other people have like other social media things as well and the uh, ability to spread those thoughts out. And I feel like being able to share your thoughts, both positive and negative, is a very important thing for this society. However, I can not I can personally say I don't like it when um, video game uh, review bombing and stuff like that happens because it actually affects the developers who, uh, who probably started out as everyone does with fantastic intentions mm-hmm. to make a good game, but somewhere along the line, publishers and other requirements have meant that bad stuff has happened along the way. Mm-hmm. So I feel like that is a personal attack against them and maybe not against the company itself. I think it's a weird, like, it's, 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 it's hard to separate the two as well. Yeah, I'm yeah, but that's the thing. Like, the, the only outlet that a whole bunch of fandoms have is to review bomb, assumedly, mm. or to get on social media and try and target someone specifically if there's a member from that team that is a public face. Mm. Yeah. Like, a lot of people have a whole bunch of problems with, um, you know, maybe they want to communicate something about Sekiro or a FromSoft game, yeah. but attacking Miyazaki is not on uh, Twitter. I mean, so. it's the thing. Like, I, I'm very hypocritical in this sense because I've jokingly said about uh, Peter Molyneux, mm. like, and stuff like that. Like, my, my opinion against the man. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, is not is actually come about because of the, my reflections of his games, mm-hmm. whereas technically, maybe get a massive hand. The, in the, the, <laughs> that, I think that's maybe the the slight distinction is that he was the direct creative control behind a lot of the issues that I have problems with. But say you are just finding a lead developer of uh, like Ubisoft. Mm-hmm. Is it right to go and personally attack them because you didn't like how Far Cry New Dawn turned out? It's never gonna, I don't it's, think I don't think that is. Personal. No, of course I don't think it's ever going to be. It's never going to be okay to directly attack someone on social media. Mm. Um, but I do think that all this kind of calls for some need to have a forum, like a dialogue between the two. Yeah. Um, because this generation, like I said, more than ever, we've seen all these monetization practices or DLC practices or microtransaction things. They are very anti-consumer, assumedly, or at least in their principle. And so you've kind of got the the business side of it, the industry, the corporate mm. side of it, going yeah. down this one route of 
you know, we're going to kind of strangle the fandom in a way, and then it's resulted in all these backlashes and review bombings and everything else. Well, it's, it's very difficult in a way, isn't it? Because, like, the only way to get big publishers <clears throat> to listen to sort of backlashes to take a sledgehammer to it in a way like when EA dropped Battlefront 2 yeah. like they only eventually changed because there was such a huge uproar and like they got the most downvoted comment in Reddit history mm-hmm. and stuff like that but when that bleeds over to you are personally attacking specific people that's when it's just dangerous and like completely not on like yeah. you can attack the idea of an amalgamation of a corporation mm-hmm. or the idea mm-hmm. of sort of like these faceless overlords. But when you drag people actually like into it. specific individuals who work. Yeah, really yeah specific hard. individuals. Yeah. That's something else entirely. Like mm-hmm. there is there is sort of cultivating a movement to inspire change. But when that passes over into simply attacking people or direct abuse, then what's that actually mm-hmm. achieving? That's it's, useless. It's interesting yeah. because um, Jim Sterling has that concept, which is just like F Konami. That's yeah. the thing yeah. that he like popularized. Mm-hmm. That's attacking the company as a whole and its business practices. But he wasn't saying like F so-and-so because mm-hmm. of this. And I think that that's a huge distinction if you put those two together. Yeah, one of the, like I said, Mortal Kombat 11 released this week. And like the review that I did was the most angry I've ever been when I was recording something. Because really? I was genuinely so disappointed and so just genuinely just gutted and annoyed at the way that they'd but set that game the, up. But you love the game. Yeah, well, the yeah. game itself, like, playing it is great. The core of it, yeah. I mean, yeah. I still gave it four stars because trying to score something like that, it is that differentiation between the, the core components and the overall, the corporate side of it and everything like that. But to bring it back to what Josh was saying about like, you know, like you sort of go after specific individuals, like there is that weird disconnect that we kind of keep having between the developers and the publishers and the mm. assumption that the mm. publishers are the corporate side and mm-hmm. whatever. And then as different stories have come out in regards to like Destiny or Anthem, it's actually the developers that kind of went down that. It's a bit of a mix of the two. Mm. Um, but in uh, NetherRealm's case with Mortal Kombat, like Ed Boon was immediately on Twitter the day after the reviews broke, yeah. and he was like, "Oh God, like we're really, really sorry. Like sorry for the inconvenience. Uh, we're going to have a live stream tomorrow that will clear everything up, and we're going to go forward with changes immediately." Um, and then NetherRealm did the uh, combat cast the day after, where they literally read a statement. Uh, it was the same two presenters that they always do every week, but they had a, a statement prepared that had clearly been handed to them from the PR, mm. so they could clear it up. But my point is that it's a differentiation between Warner Brothers, the faceless corporate overlords, and the developers, the people who are quote unquote on the front lines dealing with the fandom yeah. and they managed to kind of walk the line between the two and uh, Ed Boon at no point was everyone like F Ed Boon or anything no. it was like we understand that the devs are separate to the corporate side but, but look at this in a really cynical way and think of that scenario as an entirely um almost like a fabrication. Mm-hmm. What if the if, if if people didn't react badly to it, they would have carried on with that business Well, that, this practice. is the larger point, And yeah. so therefore, the fact that he was so quick to go on Twitter, the fact that he had a statement ready, the fact that they had the combat cast mm-hmm. ready to go, meant that there was always almost a plan B in place. Mm-hmm. So therefore, it's kind of negative in a way because it feels like it's being set up for, well, my thing, my thing. Like, like they, they, if no one complained, they would have got away with it. But if they did, they're like, ah, we tried anyway, lads. Yeah. We got this backup yeah, plan so in like, place. Yeah, so like my my thing was like I felt justified uh, doing the review the way that I did mm. because it did result in change and change needed to come to that game. Definitely. But to your point, like they obviously knew what they had when they were going into it. Mm. Um, you'll, you'll never really know the, the deep dive as to whether that was a publisher whim or a developer whim. Um, as to like which, you know, which who is, who is NetherRealm's Andrew Wilson, essentially. Yeah. And it's like you're never really going to know that unless like Jason Schreier like does a deep dive or something. Yeah. Um, but like, yeah, it did result in change and immediate change as well. Like whether that's for the financial reality of not having the latest Mortal Kombat be a bomb or whatever, but it, it has worked it, out. It raises uh, questions as well, because uh, I was told a while back that <clears throat> 
in order to get patches and stuff put through on your games, you have to go through quite a lengthy process with either Microsoft, Sony, Nintendo, whoever you're working mm -hmm. with. And you have to sort of wait for release windows. You have to wait for these updates to be going. And yet these guys are able to change the prices of their in-game currencies mm -hmm. and all of their stuff overnight think, straight away. Well, that's, and, but, it, but it makes me think of all those times that I've been told that, oh, you have to wait until the patch comes out in two or three weeks' time. Yeah. That was all. That was lies. That well, was no, no, lies. necessarily. I, I, it depends maybe, what's being, maybe, it, maybe. Yeah, it depends what's being changed. Because um, in Mortal Kombat's case, the thing that they're changing is AI aggressive, mm -hmm. AI aggressiveness uh, or aggression or whatever, and the, the pricing uh, inside the crypt. Yeah. Um, sorry, or inside the um, the living towers. They're changing yeah. the modifiers. All of that is part of the live service. They build it in a way that oh, they can live enough. tweak okay, that stuff. As opposed to like, yeah, like patching in a, a change about a level or something. Okay. Um, that's kind of a change over time though, which I did have a note for in this, is that in like years gone by, we just we just accepted the game that we bought was the game. You can't, you don't even yeah. think about changing it. But now when something goes wrong, and I was very much aware of this doing the review for Mortal Kombat, I was like, if I mention these problems in, in like, you know, in a big enough kind of scale like we do have a platform it's kind of worth putting them out there but there is that assumption now that you can change the thing that you had because well, you don't like this it. Yeah. sorry this That's is like a, it's sort of a point of contention for me because obviously when it's something like this that is very anti-consumer and quite predatory yeah. like you want to make a change you want to get your voice heard you want to sort of rally the people and try to alternate the uh the actual product itself yeah. but for me, there is a line to be drawn between sort of standing up against kind of bad business practices and mm -hmm. then also sort of demanding you have your way, like yes. you being the fans, to the detriment of what the developers actually intended. Like, I go back to Mass Effect mm. 3 mm -hmm. and how outraged I genuinely was at the so, time. Yeah, I was yeah. so frustrated at that ending and I wanted, I wanted the extended cut. But looking back on it now, is it not like partly entitlement that sort of well, got that ending it's, it's, in the end like yeah. obviously the fans d mm. deserved a good ending or something but that's the ending Bioware wanted to put out and that's what he went with mm -hmm. How, at what point does the fan demanding the fan demands of you know like actual endings or actual mechanics or actual features be changed mm -hmm. like become a problem like obviously it's fine in this context but if you set a precedent it's like then you have to sort of well, acknowledge yeah. it all the time it's because of a, a, maybe an industry that's completely told us that we are the ones in control of it we vote with our wallets and the companies will bend over backwards to basically get whatever it is and we're always told no matter where we turn that games are all meant to be inclusive now mm -hmm. however that's inclusivity approach has sometimes uh, been confused with meddling with a creator's design. Mm -hmm. uh, you wouldn't go into uh, an art gallery and tell somebody how to paint it differently because you don't like it. Yeah, That's, yeah, yeah. And I think that games have to be treated in the same medium as films, music, things like it is the creator's output mm -hmm. and it will not be for everyone. You cannot appease everyone. There are tweaks you can make mm -hmm. to make sure that it is fair and uh, that there's as little a barrier to entry as possible but you can't go out there and just say this game doesn't have a grappling hook mm -hmm. and, and I want this grappling hook to be in this game mm -hmm. and it does it's not the same but the Sekiro harder difficulty yeah, thing yeah. I understand why people wanted that in because people wanted to enjoy the game and I believe that they have every right to try and enjoy that yeah. game but you are fundamentally asking somebody to change their their game entirely to, if, to fit to fit your desire it, yeah i mean that that was a that's a really good example the mass effect one's a good one too because like in the secure example it was just it was just separating out accessibility from difficulty because mm. they like, assumedly no one was asking for the game itself to be made easier but there and more people could have a chance to fail equally that mm. was just you know you you lower the barrier of entry or you make the barrier of entry more accessible or whatever the mass effect thing I, at the time i was like yeah do the give me the ending that i deserve yeah. or whatever mm. um even though in hindsight and i remember some people saying it at the time that they should have just stuck to their guns yeah. um because that's that is the ending they want to put out and that's it um, 
I think that they yielded, uh, personally, I think that they yielded because if you look at the development of it, it was such a mess. And they'd already gone back and forward, um, you know, like with this other scrapped ending and whatever. So I think they felt that they owed it to themselves to put something out. So I'd, I like to believe it was their choice to elaborate mm-hmm. on that ending. I, but I, even I, that is like, you know. I, I, still, I see, I feel really sorry for the developers who have worked on projects like that. Like mm-hmm. take uh, Ken Levine when he did uh, Bioshock Infinite mm-hmm. or even Bioshock in the first place. He wanted to make it a text adventure or like a sort of like uh, point and click at one point. Like, might have been better. That might well, have been better. The, and, oh, and, 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 they better. Said, and they oh. said to him like that you have to include shooting elements because shooters sell. Right. And imagine having your core design completely changed. Mm-hmm. I feel sorry for the people who worked on the Mass Effect thing because of the ending. Because like you say, that is clearly the ending they wanted to tell. Doesn't mean that it was a good ending. It, it went, uh, that's the that's yeah. the thing though. Like it, it went down to that, but then obviously because of the you know a newer generation, like just the fact of that what the internet provides, like an open dialogue or a potential dialogue between consumers and creators, you get that realization that actually they weren't very happy with it, and mm. they did want to go back and to some degree they wanted to expand on it. Like, yeah. and does that make it more valid? Like, I, you know, I feel like you have every right to use the internet to request what you would like. It doesn't mm-hmm. mean that you're going to have your prayers answered. Yeah, you're not like, owed anything. No, like, yeah. you're not. They, people say oh, well, I put my money into it. That's your choice. No one is saying to you, you have to buy that Mm -hmm. £40 game, £50 game every time it comes out. Like, I understand if you're not happy with your purchase, but I I can't... It's hard hard to put into words because I don't Mm -hmm. want to come across like an asshole by saying that you can't just demand what you want from a game Mm -hmm. because you are fed all of the necessary information. However, this does lead into the counterpoint, Mm -hmm. which is we are not fed all of the information we need to get because And that's what I was trying to make is that we're not fed the right information. Mm -hmm. That's I mean, like publishers have, it's not just like us who have made this difficult, like publishers by doing these horrible kind of predatory business practices and not telling you everything you need Mm -hmm. to know and obscuring things from you before launch. They've sort of cultivated this response from players who get these games that aren't what they expect or have been sold something different and mm-hmm. then they want change and then that change is obviously fine because mm-hmm. that's like it's what the game should have been in the first place but that sort of ends up blurring the line across the entire board yeah. of like demands imagine if shadow of war had come out and said here's the trailer here's what you'll be playing as and now here's a little special bit you'll be able to use your money to do this and blah 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 i reckon if they'd put well, that if they'd advertise that and put all of that in their front and center, mm-hmm. people have been like, well, I know what to expect. I don't like it, but I might not choose to buy it because of that. I yeah. won't buy it and then suddenly be horrified to find it in my game. It's almost like a question of degrees because they did mention that you were going to be able to get orcs from the salesman and mm. then you would, I, I'm sure they mentioned that they could be purchased with real money. They definitely said the orc store was going to be in there. Yeah. Um, but not in as much as saying that how much it was going to affect the progression of the game, it was the, which became it, the backlash yeah, for that game. It was the amount of pop-ups that were telling you to buy stuff. And it, the difficulty they, spikes. Yeah, the call like, to action that you required you to almost pay to and that was the thing with Netherrealm as well. It was just like in their all their combat casts, they were like they did a, a new character every week or every two weeks, mm-hmm. um, and they didn't showcase the living towers and they didn't showcase um, how much time crystals were, which is the premium currency mm-hmm. that was going to affect everything else. They didn't really showcase that stuff, so it got to launch and it was all of a sudden it was like oh so there's this massive grind, but I can just pay to bypass it, that, mm-hmm. and that immediately felt horrible. Um, and it was that thing where you had to address the the live element side of it, where it's like they can just tweak some figures to maximize their um, the profit kind of thing, um, and the loophole is. The the live section um, because there are
are so many games that have these live elements where like you know it, it's not finished when you buy it and they can tweak something mm. further down the line I mean uh, some example one example that Rich gave me um, was Black Ops 4 they they introduced a whole microtransaction store after launch so they missed the hype window uh, or the review period okay so that's like that's so under so, so that's one like I've got two examples for that there's obviously going to be more but Black Ops 4 did that all the review scores came in the general hype window made massive amount of sales and then they put the microtransaction store in later um, Metal Gear Solid 5 uh, all the reviews are extremely positive for the most part minus some of the story stuff and then later on Konami changed the entire economy of the game so that you can't even maintain a mother base without paying for it it's ridiculous it's like, but people, that's the other thing is people don't then talk about it because the spotlight's moved on mm-hmm. which forces people to do review bombs get online attack the developers whatever it is um, and that's that's the that's a massive problem but it's like those live elements being changed over time I think the cynical and cynic in me thinks that like a lot of publishers or the corporate whims of whichever financial part of the developer takes advantage of those live services yeah. to change things further down the line. Well, it comes in with like their responses to a lot of these backlashes as well, because for the first few weeks or something, they're never sort of open to discussion. No, no publisher or developer will ever admit that they've done something wrong or fail. They'll try mm. to spin it and try to reassure people and say that, oh, you know, it's player choice or whatever like that. It wasn't going to be like that. Yeah. You don't but, need to buy the microtransaction. Exactly. And then sometimes it comes across as like arrogance or just the desire to not want a conversation at all like there is always a barrier between consumers and producers in that way and I think that's why people end up like attacking people because that it's a more personal thing on like Twitter or something which is absolutely toxic and horrible but when like the the anomalous company comes out who is faceless and does not receive any personal backlash from saying things like has a response that is so arrogant like I remember when the Xbox 360 uh, Xbox One came out Mm -hmm. and uh, they were saying like what do we do if we don't have online and stuff and they were like well just stick with the 360 that's that's fine with yeah. you and it's just that's not a way to it comes across as callous exactly it? it's like, callous yeah. it's not a way to approach the people who are actually buying a game and there is no kind of personality or even sort of humanity to those messages it's so obviously manufactured and artificial and trying to put a positive spin on everything that you know it just frustrates players even more like there needs to be an, a dialogue of some sort like you don't have to take on everything that players say obviously that's mm-hmm. obviously a problem in itself but you need to at least acknowledge what they're saying and try yeah. to provide a honest human response mm-hmm. I, I have to admit that like playing devil's advocate again is that it must be incredibly hard to balance these what the audience will want and what you will need to do to when to put your foot in the ground yeah Yeah. Yeah. because it's like everyone complains about these microtransactions and yet people still buy them like like it's they wouldn't be a necessary air quotes necessary practice of the gaming industry if people didn't buy them so somebody out there is buying a hell of a lot in their droves as well like yeah and you know what those people might not be the type of people listening to this podcast they might not be the ones listening to any sort of uh, outsider thoughts saying maybe you don't need to spend your money Mm -hmm. on this maybe maybe you need to try maybe you need to struggle maybe you need to fail and not have everything handed to you but they won't be listening to that because they'll be no. too busy buying loot boxes. Yeah. I think like, that is like it's it's that's true. I think it's like a different part. It's like a different conversation because like yeah, like some games have those elements where you can just bypass stuff and pay to bypass it. Something like Apex Legends launched with a full microtransaction store centered mm. around its aesthetics and cosmetics, and that went down extremely well because, no it, was because it was free. Because it was free, there was no barrier to entry there. Yeah, and yeah, and you can just it was quite it, the, the the grind that's in Apex is quite manageable. Mm. Like if there's a skin that you want, you'll be able to get it in a good like. I mean, it's probably tweet changed now, but fifty to 20 yeah, matches yeah. maybe and you know exactly what you're going to get the problem with Mortal Kombat 11 again just as a contemporary example is that you can't pinpoint what you want and get it and that disconnect of just going like okay I just need to throw myself at a grind wall yeah. that's a thing that's immediately annoying and unfair. ready to pop the question 
The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free. Or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard. But now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. A great example of showing how grinding to unlock something versus grinding to uh, unlock potentially nothing you want is um, look at Smash Brothers. Uh, Smash Brothers tells you exactly what's on the disc, what every fight is going to be, and people know what to expect from the franchise. And all you need to do, the requirements to unlock it are play the game mm-hmm. for X number of hours or X number yeah. of matches and you will eventually get challenged, beat them and you'll unlock them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is a grind that works because it encourages you to play to get more play, game play out of it. But like you're saying, it's not being able to choose what you yeah. want. If they just gave you in that crypt a list of what's in there and exactly where it's located and it was a fixed thing, yeah. you'd just be like, that is fine. I don't mind because I will pick the stuff I want and I will leave the stuff mm-hmm. I don't. But this is just the company just saying, well, you know what? Somebody might have spent an afternoon working on that skin that of like this, I don't know, like a Burger King skin that no one really wants, but, <laughs> but they want us to push this. So uh-huh. we're going to make sure that that's random. So you might randomly get a burger hat yeah. or a burger shoe. Oh, do you like your lettuce hands? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Jules is never going to develop a Mortal Kombat game. <laughs> <laughs> the betterment of us all but um, I think you can drill that down though to even more that idea of specificity I think that that correlates with the idea of a consumer purchasing a product like yeah. you're putting money down to buy a thing and it has it has it assumedly has to have specific parameters as to what you're purchasing and so when you remove the specificity at the core of that product that you bought then that leads immediately to anger because yeah. you don't know what you just bought Im- imagine, and you can't access the thing that you want imagine trying to explain this to to a younger uh, like, uh, like a younger person who has not really experienced sort of like video games before Mm -hmm. sitting them down okay what do I do here oh you fight brilliant how do I unlock that character or how do I unlock this uh, thing for it well you've got to fight some more and you get some money (laughs) okay cool that makes sense and then you've got to take your money and you've got to throw it in a wishing well and hope that you get it yeah oh why can't I just buy that one outright? Well, you could if you had the season pass because the season pass probably had, and then it's just it, 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 uh-huh. it, when you explain it to someone like that, that's not a game anymore. That's like trying to well, that's like trying to manage a business. But like, that's in a way. I mean, I've, I've told a story anecdote on the podcast before. But one of my uh, friends' kids was I think they were playing Souls mm-hmm. and, uh, and they died and they said, "Where's the microtransaction store? How do, is, more, how do I buy more Souls?" Mad how it's been. But like, yeah, and it's like because these practices are so prevalent everywhere. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I again, cynic in me thinks on the on the corporate side, I think they 
think that if they hold out long enough, they will raise a, a generation of gamers that are completely com- com- comfortable with all this stuff. Yeah. And then that'll be, I mean, that's why I think these backlashes are so important. Mm-hmm. But um, that's what I think that they're holding out for. Because if you, like any young human will gravitate and accept whatever's put in front of them for the most part. And if this is the, the landscape of gaming, then that's what people have grown up with. Well, like, which is horrifying. Yeah, because I mean, you don't even think, well, like when we talk, it's obviously about people like our age or like older and stuff who remember when cheats would unlock you new skins yeah. and stuff like that. And when stuff like that. You got like a full that, game. You got a full price, game, yeah. essentially. But there will be so many people who did not grow up with that and mm-hmm. now just take this as the norm. And even me personally, like I would usually never, ever buy like a skin in a single player game. But now I'm tempted to because that's my only option. And like, this right. is all that happens now. And I find myself buying bloody Pokeballs on Pokemon Go. No, I, see, okay, at least that's free. Exactly, but that's <laughs> free. But then once you, even then, once you start doing it on free-to-play games, the distinction between the games you're actually paid for just kind of eventually goes away. Like, mm-hmm. it's, if it's normalized there, then it doesn't feel all that bad when you eventually do it on yeah. a paid game, well, which is insidious. Exactly. Yeah, but yeah, it, yeah. The thing is, I don't want to think that, and that is bad, and a lot of people, no doubt, if they're listening to this, will just say, well, don't do it then. Keep mm-hmm. that, Maintain that distinction. But it is genuinely hard. Once you start normalizing that in a different context, mm-hmm. you can easily bring it over to a fully-priced game. Which is the thing that carries forward to the new generation coming up with it. If they're used to recurrent spending models, again, look, then exa- then that's the kind of thing that they look just, for I, and accept. I just wish that, re- that the recurrent spending models uh, led to a slight decrease in the price of the video game mm. itself. I just wish that there was actually well, some sort of like a f- payback for, like, if, we, if we're going to accept this, mm-hmm. if somebody came in and just said, Jules, they will be, it won't be 60 pounds a game anymore, be 40 quid a game or 30 quid a game. Mm. Or free. Or, or free, whatever. But you will be occasionally asked to pay for that. I'd be like, you know what? Fair, fair dinkum. Yeah. like you got me there. Like, which boils back down to the idea that you're paying for a product. Because mm. for that example, uh, De- um, Dead or Alive Five, when they re-released it as Final Round, I think it was called, um, it's all free. Um, but the the base game is free, so you get like a certain amount of the roster, and you can just play for free. And you buy all the individual characters if you want. You plug them back into which, that roster. Which game is it? Dead or Alive Five. Not oh, the new one. No, oh, the do, one you, do you mean Do you mean Killer Instinct? Nope, I mean Dead or Alive oh, Five. Okay, fair enough. So, Killer Instinct did the same thing. They, did, they, they might have had a season. No, Either way, um, you can buy this like free version, ostensibly, mm. where you have like a certain amount of the roster. I think you start with like Kasumi and a couple of others and then you buy really specifically you buy exactly which other characters you want to plug into that roster and then that's, that's fine well, right so like that was them kind of experimenting with a different like way of doing a triple A whatever yeah. brand new premium thing but segmenting it down the monetization route or segmenting it down a mobile gaming route to see how people would take to it and uh, I never looked too much at the, the backlash to that but I didn't mind that as an idea well, because it gets around the unit price as long as the full cost of the full roster isn't extreme. Mm. If the full cost for the full roster was £100, then you would see it as being like, oh, I'm being Well, I think they still had the option to purchase the full game. Like, it was still a thing. It was just that if you wanted to, like, sidestep that, I think they were experimenting with it. But that's the the thing. The the corporate side, the the answer on the the business side um, for the unit price thing would just be that the only reason that games are the price that they are and that they're not more is because you can offset the cost of um, production and development by having microtransactions. And they insist that it, they're necessary. And I've said it many, many times, it's not up to us to foot their bills, but I understand <laughs> the need and the desire for mm-hmm. every single person who's ever manufactured a game to make it a success, and success equals sales, or mm-hmm. sales equals success. I think the thing that a lot of us just, like, the thing that goes back and forth, and I think this will change the more eyes get, the, the more Jason tries there are in the world, or the more making of documentaries mm-hmm. that there mm-hmm. are, the more um, lights get shown on the production process, um, because we just have to accept that game production is incredibly hard, and obviously is, um, but that those goals change so much, and therefore production budgets go out of control and whatever. So. I just wish that there was a level of transparency where mm. if I know 
know that if I'm buying a game, X percentage of this is going forward to make sure that the staff members who work at that development studio have another job for another year. You know right. what I mean? Like, I don't yeah. want to think to myself, oh, I've just bought Mortal Kombat 11 and I've paid for the season pass and that money is just going straight into Mr. Warner Brothers' back pocket. This <laughs> is a really, really interesting point because yeah. we live in a time where mass layoffs are a thing. We, yeah. We've got all these reports about how poorly devs are treated and how, yeah. like, they just have... They have terrible like job security and stuff Work so when crunch. exactly yeah so when you're paying for these microtransactions and you know that it's not going to contribute to an industry that you love yeah it's going to support a game that you love and a developer you love but in a really nebulous way mm. that doesn't mm. guarantee anything mm. i'm not inclined to spend the money on it it seems so blatant and obvious and genuinely greedy that i don't want to like you said i don't want to line mr warner brothers pockets i want to help <laughs> and support the devs that have slaved over this game and have really put everything into it like that's who i want to support and when I'm playing a game like Rainbow Six Siege like I've played that game for like three years straight so I don't mind spending some more money on it to support them because they've continued updating the game in a yeah. way that I think is fair and has added a lot of content and I know that that's like going straight to the devs to help continue this game whereas in another position like like what you exactly what you were just saying there Jules it's I don't want to do it and I don't in think that, it's um, Siege good example optics. though like that's still Ubisoft like it's still like that assumption that big, you know big Ubisoft should be able to pay the wages the, kind of thing the difference thing the difference there though i think is ubisoft have sort of they've always kind of stood by their developers more with warner brothers every game they've released in the past couple of years has always had this sort of greediness this shadow of war had shadow it of war Combat, even yeah. arkham knight arkham knight came out and it was i remember it was like broken on like yeah. the pc and they didn't want well, to focus on that because they wanted to focus on the expansions and they ended up the DLC. Yeah. exactly yeah. yeah to refuse to fix a game is, well, it, it didn't make financial sense for them to, to but, keep doing it. But that isn't that mind-blowing. Like, I, <laughs> I understand that for, I'm sorry that you messed up and it's going to cost you, but to deny an entire platform oh, yeah. of a game because yeah. you can't be bothered to fix it is ridiculous. Oh, well, not, yeah, they just didn't want to allocate the funds to it because at that point, the, the sales were everywhere else and they were just like, well, we can just scrap this and move on. I'm still fuming about that. Yeah, <laughs> that, that, just... was, that was, like I guess that was a very, like, cold, hard cash mm. approach to it. Mm. Um, one of the examples that I had down here, because um, I, I had a list of, like, Mortal Kombat 11, Shadow of War, uh, Battlefront 2, those games, because of fanboy, Backlashes have been made into way more like palatable, enjoyable products. Like Mortal Kombat 11, um, as a quick addendum to the review, is in a much better state even now than it was when I reviewed it like four days ago mm. or whatever. Whatever it was, time was a blur before Endgame. But whenever <laughs> I first did Mortal Kombat 11, um, those things seem to have worked out. I also had No Man's Sky down on here because I mean, yeah, you've been banging on about this, saying that we need to go back and play this now. The whole world because this, does, is, the, this yeah. is the game that you feel like well, they promised before. Or well, that's that's the it. fascinating thing because when they first launched it, I actually always loved No Man's Sky. I always have since day one. Yeah. I almost gave a game at the end 2016 because I'm an insane person. But they, <clears throat> pardon me, have uh, gone so much back to the drawing board and have like, you know, looked at the community, looked at the backlash. Obviously, the the controversy around its launch was almost unprecedented yeah. considering the platform that they were on. Um, and it ties into what you were saying, Josh, about like the idea that you're giving money to the devs. Like Hello yeah. Games are a pretty small team, or they certainly were when they first made it. Um, but all of these like points kind of come full circle because the obviously there was a version of No Man's Sky that was advertised and the Sean Murray completely played into. Mm. And that's become the version that they've then developed across the last three years post-launch um, whereas that for me I still love No Man's Sky but what that thing initially released as was what Sean Murray said it was going to be yeah. this chill exploration heavy game yeah. um, but they've now put in the multiplayer components and they've put in like combat and stuff like yeah. that and it's become the version that the I don't even know if it was the core fans have asked for but it's become the mediated overall backlash version um, which is kind of fascinating to roll everything together because in subsequent interviews Murray, uh, Sean Murray said that like this isn't what we set out to do 
um, but I like what it's become. Yeah. And like for me, like I actually prefer the quieter, original, exploration-heavy version. Yeah, yeah. And but you I, wouldn't have the new one without all that fe- uh, feedback. So I, I would have much more sympathy if we didn't have him on record saying yeah. he, when he was answering those questions, saying, "Will it have this?" Yes, because that's him propagating a lie. Yeah, of course. That, 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 but that's but that's completely fine because if he'd gone out on his mission statement and said it's just a chill exploration mm. game, I would have totally been fine with it. But he like, literally. That's we, the we, thing. we wouldn't have had a backlash in the first place. Yeah, well, that's yeah, and that's that's the thing with that that rolls everything together in terms of de- um, developments and production budgets going crazy. Mm. The idea that like when you want a game, uh, being the development goals at the very beginning change over time. Mm. Like I, I think Sean Murray's a good dude. Like oh yeah, watched, yeah. Like, I think he's like, a good hard good dude. Um, and so he's, like he's an incredibly nervous uh, man, yeah. and I feel like uh, I cannot say with a clear conscience that if I was put on stage in front of hundreds of thousands of people with microphones shoved in my face mm. and somebody asked me not a leading question but a simple question I might have got it wrong I, I think might, at that like, time that's like, what he wanted to like, put in there as c- well c- imagine imagine that just being sat there and somebody said is this game going to have a multiplayer mm-hmm. and in your brain you go no or not really but all that comes out of your mouth is kinda yeah. yes yeah. you've then said on record for the rest of the world <laughs> that you were going to put a multiplayer where's the multiplayer game yeah. stuff where's, and he's just like oh, I've, and he's I've, like also addressed that like as that thing started to snowball that like those opportunities came up like oh do you want to go on the Colbert show and it's like mm. as a small team mm. literally it was like 14 people 12 people made that first version of the game they've hired a lot since then um, but he talked about like well you're given the opportunity would I regret it if I didn't do it so they took it yeah. I think it's a different conversation but I think that you know that idea of like the fan impact of the, the media backlash impact like has if you're going to pick one game that's completely transformed since uh, launch day um, like this like the, the version of No Man's Sky as it is now is the version the fake version that yeah. was the bigger yeah. promised version No Man's Sky to me even though like we've, we've talked about it there like Jules you were saying like the, there was a lot of things that you said on record weren't true but it's just for me like the backlash to that was so total there was no real room for nuance or anything mm. like that no real kind of considerations to how much development changes and how the things you might have talked about in interviews and wanted to implement yeah. simply couldn't happen due to time and like the marketing machine and mm. the thing you're involved in, the snowball effect. But the backlash was so tall to it, I thought. It was either, you were either on one side or on the other and there was very little room for discussion in the middle. I'm sure there was some, but that's not what you saw all over mm-hmm. all over the place. And the, for that, it was even worse because like you said, it was a small team. It was Sean Murray as a person, as a face, as a developer, getting the brunt of the backlash. Oh, yeah. and I felt that was kind of like so... Oh, uncomfortable to sort well, of yeah, follow. Yeah, I mean, ever since then, like, they literally, I mean, they went radio silent. They stopped tweeting altogether. He stopped tweeting, and they just, all the money that they made, because it still sold an absolute ton, they mm-hmm. funded that back into the game, and they started yeah. making the version that the world clearly thought it was going to be. Um, but they, you know, they went, like I said, they went radio silent for a good two years. Like, it was a long time yeah, before they came like, back up again. I, I can't imagine what that must have been like mm. for the developers at the time, because... they had to save the company as yeah, well. Like, it, yeah, it must have been incredibly stressful and incredible, like, amount of mental pressure on Sean mm-hmm. himself to lead his team yeah. and to know that he's got to fix this or feel the desire to fix this like this is a very hard industry to be an independent developer mm. in the first place so you know it's okay you, <laughs> it's okay just just it's we'll, we'll get there in the end I think so, to, um, to bring it all back around because we've done like a good half hour um, yeah. do we think that the version of No Man's Sky that as it ended up is that a good thing or should he? Should they have stuck to what they put out and said, "No, this is what we wanted." It's funny because you will hear people saying that it's a product that's been designed by testing groups, and you say that is a bad thing. Yet, No Man's Sky is a product that has been reactively changed yeah. by the testing groups of the actual market themselves. And it's still all the more impressive now, yeah. but it absolutely is not what they set out to do initially. But to answer your question, is I don't have an answer for that <laughs> because, because I feel like compromising your um, your original idea mm-hmm. to make something popular 
is not good for you. Or to satisfy a backlash. But to make your game successful by making good on promises is good. Mm-hmm. Mm. It's hard. It's it's what I think that's why it's one of the most fascinating yeah. examples of it. That's yeah. one of the things that keeps me and I like I said, I still love No Man's Sky, mm. but it is interesting and it's its path across the last like three years now is kind of insane. Yeah. I mean I I don't really know how much of how what it's turned into now is a direct response to the backlash because I mean like when that happened, you would have got so many people. The most vocal people would never have touched that game again just yeah. because of like they want to stick to their guns, they're gonna give it the the big one. Mm-hmm. And I think it's only kind of like the core fans that might have like came back to it or people mm-hmm. who might have been more lenient at the time who weren't sort of like so vocal and so one side or the other whereas I I, I think that's potentially okay it depends because I don't think Sean Murray again I'm not speaking for the man no. but uh, I don't think he uh, you, you sort of no Man's Sky is designed entirely to respond to that backlash. I think it's right. become something else entirely, but I don't think that's purely from a reactionary perspective. It may just be building I, on what they like, had, or, oh, is yeah. it, or yeah. maybe it was the roadmap. It was always going to turn up, or at least I think some of the something. Features, yeah, yeah I, I, we can maybe do a whole separate thing on it. I think, or like an editorial on it, or something. Because mm. like, yeah, when they eventually came back up for air after that like massive radio silence, it was literally here's a trailer with a tick box reaction to everything people hated, um, and then having follow all the patch notes, it literally did become that. It was like you guys hated like these 50 things we have fixed these 50 things yeah, yeah. Um, and they have like new ideas and stuff in there they've now turned it into this big old like MMO type thing yeah. um, but yeah like it, it very as a, as a huge fan it felt like they were kind of doing what people thought it was supposed to be just remember there are loads of examples of uh, games that started out as one thing failed at what mm. they were and came back stronger you look at Final Fantasy 14 completely mm. botched its laws and has <laughs> yeah. come back fine Battlefront 2 yep. now actually if you were to sit down and just play it today it's fantastic it's one of the best Star Wars games I, I absolutely yeah. love it and I liked it even while all the backlash was going on because I didn't put a penny into that game I got a free <laughs> review copy I didn't have to, to, they, mm. I spent nothing on that game so my investment on it was just time you know what I mean yeah, that's, like, it was, yeah even the gameplay was like solid back then yeah. there's the wider stuff mm. but yeah it is is that wider stuff that I think uh, invites the most conflict to quote an Avengers thing and, um, <laughs> hey, and I think um, that's the stuff that is the most worthwhile to address it's just separating the core staff from the, the wider sort of machinations of the corporate side of it um, but yeah I just I don't know I guess like going forward something like Mortal Kombat 11 they can make that into the best version of itself and gameplay wise I had an absolute blast mm-hmm. playing with you on the live stream like yeah, I honestly felt you were on that the floor that, trying to get up well to be honest I felt that that was one of the most balanced fighting games I've played in a long time mm-hmm. So I think going forward, it's, it's, yeah, it is just maintaining that side of it that comes from I don't know the devs or the people yeah. that have the, the 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 players in mind kind of thing. Exactly, like, like don't 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 attack specific people. No. Like there'll be so many people who worked on Mortal Kombat who put blood, sweat, and tears into yep. that game. Like you want you want to champion those people, even if like the business practices aren't great, and maybe some of the creatives made some bad decisions. Like don't don't I don't know don't get too personal Just, don't, yeah, don't specify yeah. specify specify <laughs> don't specify specific things exactly that <laughs> well, no, do specify specific things but yeah it is worth uh, separating the two out but for now this has been the World Culture Gaming Podcast you guys can all find us on social media um, I am at slash LP89 and I've been your host Scott Taylor joined by Jules Gill hey guys you can follow me at RetroJ with a zero over on Twitter and Josh Brown you can follow me at Josh Brown with two O's at twitter.com <laughs> I'll catch you guys next time bye, bye. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? 
Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.